Okay, well, good morning. We're glad to have the opportunity to come and to study the Word of God with you and hope you'll get your Bibles out. That's really important. Always get your Bibles and follow along. Check out what I'm having to say or whoever happens to be teaching and examine it. And that's how, of course, we're going to determine whether a person is a true teacher or a teacher of error is that we examine the fruits. And so I want you to examine the fruit. That is the things that I'm saying. Is it in harmony with God's will? And that's what we're encouraging to do. If you open, the, uh, open your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to begin by just reading the text, verses 1 through 11. It will kind of be the basis of our study as we open the word of the Lord. And I'll begin by just reading the text. Hopefully you'll follow along or listen carefully. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our, of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power has given us all things, not some things, but all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue, by which are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Therefore, rather, my brethren, give diligence to make your calling election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be provided unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so this is a great text, and this is our basis of our study, and hope that you'll follow along and give careful attention to what is being talked about in this passage. Peter, of course, gives a general uh, introduction there in verses 1 and 2. He talks about how God's divine power, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And, of course, that's just a basic fundamental truth of the Bible that it's complete. It's got all that we need, and uh, we need to be following it. And uh, he gives us the knowledge that we need to know. Not everything maybe we want to know or we would like to know, but everything that we need to know. How to get from earth up to heaven and how to get to, uh, to glory. It's all given to us in the Scriptures. And so he's given us exceeding great and precious promises precious you know we talk about precious metals like gold you got a gold ring or wedding ring or silver or platinum these are precious metals that is because you know there's not a lot of it and uh, it's kind of scarce or precious stones like diamonds and rubies and well we have precious promises and these are very uh, wonderful promises, and only God gives these promises that are found in the gospel. And so through them, we are partakers of the divine nature. That is, that we are transformed to become like God and be united with Him in fellowship and, and enjoy these rich blessings. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, because out here in the world, boy, it's just nothing but a bunch of mayhem and darkness and, and wickedness and corruption and rot. And through these 
precious promises, we can enjoy these blessings that are found in Christ Jesus. Now, if you notice there in verse 5, he says, And for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue into virtue, knowledge, etc., etc. Now, I want to focus on that phrase. In the King James, it says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. Uh, the English Standard, some of the other translations, just says supplement to your faith. And this is an interesting term. Uh, if you'll notice uh, when you talk about the word add to or supplement, the significance in Mr. Strong's dictionary, it's uh, choreo, that is to be dance leader. Uh, that is uh, to furnish, it's where we get the word chorus, a ring, that is a round dance or a choir, dancing. And it's kind of interesting. And you, you see this word choreo, it's like you see like choreograph. And they're kind of different things. And let me just throw out some illustrations of what we're talking about. Uh, i got a few uh, pictures here uh, of what we're talking about. All right, first off, think about an orchestra. Here you have this big orchestra. And, you know, you've got the string instruments over here. And here you've got the percussion instruments. And here you've got the brass instruments. And you've got a harp. And, and you've got all these various instruments. You've got cymbals. And somebody's got the little triangle. Now, any one of these instruments, you know, they're limited, uh, particularly like a triangle or cymbals. But when you, like, chorus them all together, you bring all these sounds together. Wow, it's a beautiful symphony as you choreograph all these various instruments together. Well, that's the significance of what Peter's trying to get us to see, that we add to our faith, we choreograph into our faith all these various characteristics that he talks about there in verses 5 and following. And it's a, just a magnificent concept as you think about an orchestra. Or let me give some other illustrations. Like here you've got a chorus of singers. Here you've got this big chorus of singers and you've got the altos and you've got the sopranos and you've got the tenor and the bass. And, and well, depending on how big the chorus is, there's actually in between mezzo-sopranos, really super high, and then uh, bass tenor. And, well, anyway, but the four, four basic parts. But here you have all these parts of a, of a group of singers. And they sing together and they blend their voices together. And it's just, wow, it's just really great when you have just a real a fine course. And, you know, people that do well and, and they blend all this together, the various parts and, in the singing. Well, that is what Peter's talking about here, of blending all these things together in your, in your faith and your trust in the Lord. Let me give uh, another illustration, a marching band. I've got some pictures here. And, uh, you know, when you see these people marching out on the field, here we are in football season, and, you know, maybe at halftime, you know, the marching band comes out. I mean, they don't look like a mob of people just leaving the stadium and just sort of filing out and crisscrossing and going every which way. No, here you've got all these lines, or they're marching, and they'll go so many steps, and then they'll turn, and then they'll turn again, and, and they'll have streams, and then they, like, they, they march together to spell out letters and, and all kinds of things. Now, that's not by accident in this choreographing of marching bands. It takes a lot of practice and instruction and people listening and remember, you know, what, where I'm supposed to go and this fella, he's supposed to know where he's, he's supposed to go and, and she knows, she knows where she's supposed to go. And when it's done, 
you know, it's choreographed, you know, really, really nice. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome to see when it's done well. They actually have competitions of these marching bands of how well they choreograph and the things that they do. And so that's what Peter's talking about when he says, add to your faith, supplement to your faith. And so that's what we're talking about when Peter says, add to your faith. He's talking about to blend in, to chorus into your faith, to integrate into your faith, to choreograph into your faith, to orchestrate into your faith. And he gives all these various qualities, and and when they all blend together in the life of of a child of God, I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful, it's magnificent, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonder and, and a pleasure to behold, just like listening to a great orchestra, listening to a good uh, chorus of people singing together, you know, watching the marching band coming out there onto the field at halftime, you know, it's a real pleasure. And if people forget and they're not doing what they're supposed to, it just uh, I look like a big jumble mess. And uh, same for the orchestra. It, just, it sounds bad if it's not blending in well. Well, that's what Peter's trying to get us to see. That Okay, we have faith. We believe in Jesus, that he's the Son of God. We believe that he is God's Son, that, that the Bible is God's Word. Well, we put our faith in the Son of God. Then Peter says that we're adding to our faith these various qualities and characteristics And that's what we're studying about. And that's what Peter's trying to get across to us in being partakers of the divine nature. It's not just simply saying, okay, I believe in Jesus. And, you know, we obey those first principles. And, hey, well, that's it. We don't have anything else to do. No, no. If God allows us to live, there's a lot to be done in choreographing into our life these various qualities. And so that's what we want to study about is look at these various qualities of how they chorus in and just sort of ponder about that and and how they all interweave together and just make a beautiful symphony uh, of what it means to be a true child of God and to to, uh, be uh, a servant of the Lord and to be a follower of Jesus Christ. All right. So Peter says there in verse 5, and for this reason, giving all diligence. All right, giving diligence. That's an interesting term. Mr. Strong says literally it means speed. Giving diligence means speed. I mean, could you imagine, you know, you, 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 you got an emergency going. Maybe the house is fire, or somebody's sick or somebody got hurt. And you call up 911 and you're saying, hello. And they go, 911, what's your emergency? And, oh, yeah, you know, wow, the house is fire. Hey, you know, uh, my wife fell and she's, I think she broke her leg. Well, you know, we're on break right now. And, you know, when we get off break, hey, we're going to get right to you. And, and just go ahead and give me your information. Well, that's not the way they work. I mean, people that work at the 911 call center, they show diligence, speed. Oh, okay. Well, can you give me the information? Where are you located at? And, uh, and then maybe give some advice of, of trying to assess the uh, situation really quick. But they're doing it because it's an emergency. They're, they're, you know, life and limb is, is uh, you know, on the line. And so that's what Peter's saying, that we give all this diligence that is okay with speed, the earnestness. I mean, this is serious stuff of when it comes to serving God and uh, being a follower of the Lord. 
And so he says, for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, all right, chorus into your faith. What's the first one that he talks about? Chorus in virtue. Moral excellence, some translations give. Uh, manliness uh, is kind of the uh, concept. Moral excellence, manliness. Uh, that is to show maturity and uh, uh, the sense of wanting to do the right thing, to do the good thing. That's what, you know, when you're an adult, be a man. You know, man up, that is, take responsibility and understand you, you have responsibilities of wanting to do the good thing, the right thing, and in whatever given situation it might be. Uh, reminds me of what David, when he was old, he tells Solomon there in First Kings chapter 2 and verse 2, he says, I go the way of all the earth. Be, uh, be therefore strong, show yourself a man. He tells him, be a man. And don't be like a kid that, you know, maybe negligent and haphazard and scattered brain and, you know, other things take your attention. No, you be a man. Uh, Paul also talked about that concept in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And verse 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be men, be strong. Virtue, that, that's a tremendously important quality to have of showing manliness of, uh, of being an adult, of taking charge, of taking the bull by the horn and fulfilling responsibility. And uh, you want to do the right thing. You want to do what's right. Do, do the good thing. That's a, that's a great quality to have, that sense of, uh, of the alt and goodness. Now, there's another quality, Peter says, uh, there in Second Peter chapter 1. He says that we add uh, to virtue and to our faith, we add knowledge. Knowledge is important. You know, Paul talked about there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here you had the Jews, and uh, he gives them, uh, he talks about them and his prayer for them. Notice there in, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, uh, for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Okay, that, that would be virtue, having a zeal for God. You want to do the right thing. You want to serve God. Great. But what's the problem? But not according to knowledge. See, that's why Peter says, hey, chorus in knowledge. I mean, there are a lot of people, they, they get real zealous and they want to do great things for God. But then they don't study to see what God would have them to do. And so off they go onto some tangent and, and just doing all kinds of things like the Jews, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Do, do you see how these things sort of blend together, integrate together? I mean, okay, we're going to be zealous and, and, and diligent and, and we're going to have speed to add to our faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus and we want to have virtue and manliness and, and we want to do good things. But if we don't have knowledge... Well, then we kind of we become these do-gooders. And, you know, you can't fault for people wanting to do good. But when it's not according to knowledge, you do all kinds of crazy things in the name of religion. You do all kinds of things in the name of God. And it's for the Lord God. I mean, that, that, that will be the justification. Just say, well, it's for the Lord. Well, appreciate the zeal. Paul commends the zeal of the Jews. 
but they were lacking in knowledge. They were ignorant of God's righteousness. So you see how we've got to course in knowledge. And of course, Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ there in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. So we need to have knowledge to direct this energy. To, to direct, you know, lightning. Boy, it's, it's powerful. A great quantity of electricity. What's the problem with uh, What's the problem uh, with uh, lightning? It's, well, it's, it's not directed in, in a good way, and therefore it's destructive. And so when you have people that, you know, they have this zeal, this knowledge, and we want to serve God, and then, well, that's not directed by knowledge, well, then all kinds of crazy things can be done in the name of serving God. Right. But knowledge, you see, brings it and channels it in the right way and therefore adds to this symphony of what God's looking for. All right, then, notice the next one he says, add temperance or self-control. Self-control needs to be brought into our life as we uh, have our faith in Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so we want to do the right thing. We want to be a man, do the right thing. We're trying to study the Bible and we learn what God says. Well, that's where self-control then course ends to do it. Well, okay, now we know what we need to do. So self-control says, hey, let's get busy and do it. I mean, it's a very, very important quality. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talked about uh, uh, temperance or the self-control. Notice there in beginning in verse uh, 24, he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. And every man that contends in the games is temperate or shows self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. All right, Paul talks about the idea of competition. I mean, you have various competition this year. Well, the, the, the Summer Olympics got postponed. Maybe they'll get to it next summer. But those people that compete in the Olympics, they show a lot of self-discipline, a lot of self-control. Ah, you know, I just don't feel like training. No, you, you, you say, hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to compete. I'm going to have to train every day. I, you know, I got to do this. And, you know, these are things, you know, I can't be eating. I can't be eating all this junk food. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about I want to be uh, optimum, uh, optimal in my performance. And so you practice this self-control. Well, so it is in being a Christian. So it is in serving God. So it is living here on planet Earth. You remember there when Paul talked with Felix, it says that he reason of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. There in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, and Felix trembled. I mean, whoo, boy, he was shaken because uh, a lot of these kings, they were everything but temperate. And so, but it's one of those qualities. It's, it's, a, it's a, just a very lovely quality when people are just doing what they need to be doing and when they need to be doing it. I mean, it's just a, just a marvelous quality to choreograph in to add and to supplement into your faith this great quality. All right, so he says we're to add virtue, knowledge, uh, self-control. Then he says add patience. Well, that's another tremendously important quality. I mean, 
okay, we can have, you know, the desire, we want to serve God and be a man. And okay, we study the Bible and we see what the Bible teaches us to do. And then we have some self-control and so we're doing it. We do a pretty good job for this week and next week and this month and next month and one year and two years. And then, well, we could just fizzle out. Okay, that's where you choreograph in patience. You stick with it. You, you don't just rest on your laurels. Well, you know, I've really been doing pretty good the past, you know, the past couple of years. Okay, well, you're still living, still got responsibilities. We, that's where patience, perseverance comes in. Uh, because the, running the race of life is, is like a marathon race. You know, 42 kilometers, 26 miles. It's a long race. It's not just a, uh, you know, a 100-yard, 100-meter sprint. It's a long race. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him uh, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. And so he says there in verse 1, there, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us uh, lay us out every weight, uh, and the sin which is so easy to beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so we're looking at Jesus, and you know, he just continued on and on and on and on, all the way to the end. That's the exhortation, be thou faithful unto death. And so we want to have this steadfastness all the way to the end. It is a tremendously lovely, beautiful quality to course into our lives. You know, James talks about that in James chapter 5. He says there in verses 10 and 11, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. That's like in our Bible reading, we're studying about Jeremiah and the things they did to Jeremiah. They put him down in, a, in an old muddy cistern. You know, the water had gone and just mud and muck down on the bottom, and they threw him down there. But he remained steadfast. And then James says, Behold, we, we count them happy, uh, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. He had all these boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot, and, and he would scrape all the, uh, the, 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 the boils, the sores that oozed. He showed forth patience and steadfastness, not cursing God, not blaming God, not quitting God. He hung in there for ever how many months it may have been. Maybe, I, maybe it was a year or two. I don't know. But I think it was at least uh, some months that, he, that he, he, he didn't give up. He showed forth patience. And you've seen the end of the Lord, how the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And we look at Job, I was like, whoa, boy, we need the patience of Job. Well, we do. We need to be like Job because Jesus wants us to be patient, steadfast, persevering, hanging in there, not giving up. And we course that into our life. It's just a lovely quality. Just like here you've got, you know, the violins and you've got the cellos and you've got the bass violin and you've got stringed instruments and you've got uh, the various uh, wind and, and, and uh, 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 brass instruments. And all these, all these sounds come together, make a beautiful sound of a, uh, of a good orchestra. And that's what Peter's saying. You're bringing all these qualities into your life and they're going to apply in various situations in the church and in the home, you know, at the workplace as we, we take these qualities with us everywhere. You know, being a Christian is not just something we do on Sunday morning for an hour or two. 
It's something we do, you know, all day Sunday, all day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and back to the next Sunday. Uh, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And in all the various seasons, it's just to be a Christian, a follower of God. And so Peter says, bring that quality in. And then look at the next one. He says, bring in godliness, piety, this Godward attitude that I respect God, I love God, and I reverence God. That, that's the thought of the term there of, of being godly. Uh, Peter talks about, uh, oh no, Paul talks about this also there in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He talks about how we should be praying for, uh, for rulers. He says, uh, uh, well, let me just read verse 1 too. I exhort therefore that first of all supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. You know, we're praying for the rulers. We're Praying that we'll just be able to be busy about trying to live a godly life. Paul also said there in 1 Timothy, notice there in verses 7 and 8, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself rather unto godliness. He says, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. We all understand that exercising, you know, walking, jogging, whatever, exercise, you know, going to the gym, how that helps the body, and it does. Well, but it's only for this life because, you know, when we exercise physically, it's only for this world because our body's going to die anyway. But when we exercise godliness, it's going to help us physically. I mean, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, Proverbs 17, verse 22. But it's going to help us not only in this life, but it's going to help us in the world to come. And so that's why godliness is, is a more important form of exercise to be involved in. And Peter says, hey, bring that into your life of showing this great respect for God. Just like the marching band as they're going and they're bringing and, and uh, marching. It, it just, it's, 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 it's nice. It's wonderful to behold as uh, they perform at halftime in various uh, sporting events, especially you think of the football season. And then Peter says something else we need to add in, brotherly kindness or brotherly love. Always an important quality, very important quality. There in John chapter 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And he says that you also love one another by this. By what? By loving one another. By this, all men know that you're my disciples if you, if you have love one to another. It's going to be a thing that will impress the people of the world if we show brotherly love, we show this brotherly kindness, this goodwill, this uh, love of the brethren. Philadelphia, love of the brethren is the, is the term there. And we need to have that in our life. And develop it, course it in, bring it in, integrate it into your life. These are all qualities that are going to be what we need to be as a Christian, as a child of God. And to bring that into your life. I mean, John speaks pr pretty bold about this. That Without that, well, we're just kind of, a, kind of an empty shell. We're not really being honest and forthright about things. Look there in 1 John chapter 4. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. 
For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we uh, from him, that he who loves God love his brother also. So it's, it's important. It's, it's one of those qualities that we bring in, chorus in, choreograph into your life. Brotherly love. And then the final quality that he brings up is charity or love. The agape love. This, this very, very high form of love. And, it, and it's so high that, that it can be commanded that we love our enemies. Notice there in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse uh, 43 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, love your neighbor, that's from the scriptures. Hate your enemy, well, that's from Jewish tradition. You know, they, they want to limit to loving neighbors to, well, people that like you and love you and, you know, that go along with you. you know, they want to limit because then they added in, hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them who love you, what reward have you? <clears throat> do not even the tax collectors the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors so? Be you therefore perfect or complete, even as your Father who is in heaven is perfect. And so that's something else. Bring in this love, this high form of love, that yes, we can even love our enemies, this active goodwill. The basic fundamental concept of love is goodwill, that I'm going to do you good. And so it's something I choose. It's not dependent upon you, whether you love me or whether you're lovable. I'm going to love you anyway. So it's my choice, my responsibility. I can choose to do you good and have this goodwill. Just like the rain. The rain, it just comes and it just falls upon everybody. People that love God, people that hate God. People that respect God, people that reject God. The rain just falls upon everyone. And that's the way our love is to be. That's the love that Peter's telling us to chorus in, to choreograph in, blend into your life. Integrate this quality also in your life. Uh, because it's going to be very important. And of course, Paul talks at length about this love that we're to have. Uh, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there in the first eight verses. It's an essential quality. And so Peter says, bring in all these various things into your faith. And, uh, and all these uh, uh, various uh, points, virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And then notice there are two possibilities. As we go back to our text, back in 2 Peter Chapter 1, notice the first possibility. Verse 8, For if these things be in you, and abound, they're overflowing, they will make you that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're abound in these things, we're growing in these things, and that's the great thing, that's the, you know, the challenging thing, we'll always be able to grow. Always be able to grow and abound in applications in various situations and, and seeking for wisdom of how to, how to bring all these qualities into our life and, and using good judgment and good wisdom and developing that. And so Peter says, if you're doing all these things, 
Don't worry, you're going to be fruitful. You're, you're not going to be barren. You're not going to be, you know, useless. You're going to be bringing all these wonderful qualities and bearing fruit unto the glory of God. That's possibility number one. If we're abounding, if we're growing, if we uh, have put in these various qualities, not just one or two, it's not like multiple choice. You know, it's not like, it's not like going to a big buffet and here you got this big buffet. And, you know, I'm going to take, I like the beans pretty good and I like those potatoes pretty good. Now, and these other things, I don't want that. I mean, these qualities, they're not like multiple choice and you just sort of pick and choose which ones you want. No, we're to, we're to course in all these qualities that Peter talks about. That's one possibility. And I hope that's what we're striving to do. And if we do that, we're going to be fruitful. We're going to be fruit bearing in the service of the Lord. Now notice the other possibility. Verse 9. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You see, when we obey the gospel, okay, we're forgiven of all these past transgressions. We're, the past is forgiven. And God wants us to uh, be forgiven, but not to have a clean conscience so we can just live, you know, have a high old time in wickedness. No, that we live, uh, we, li- uh, we leave, and all these past sins are, are, are just, they're done away, they're forgiven that we can start into this new life and develop these qualities and this symphony of of beautiful qualities of becoming more and more Christ-like day in and day out. That's the goal. So it's possible if we're not being diligent, we're not integrating, we're not orchestrating these various qualities in our life. Well, what does Peter say? Well, he says we're blind and cannot see afar off. That word... Uh, that's translated cannot see afar off. It's where we get the word myopia. It's a, actually, it sounds very much like that in the Greek language, and it's where you get myopia. Myopia is a, <clears throat> is a problem of nearsightedness. Nearsightedness means, well, you can see everything just crystal clear up close, but if you don't have glasses to correct that, you can't see things afar. It, it's a big problem. I remember talking with a fellow, Anthony Jen. He's really, really nearsighted. I mean, he can really see things. I mean, he takes his glasses off and he can see things. Like, I mean, pretty handy if you get a splinter because you don't need a magnifying glass to get there, that splinter. I mean, splinter, I mean, he can see it. Kind of like he was showing me one day. He says, uh, telling me, you know, that micro print they have on uh, uh, the U.S. dollars, uh, some, especially the big bills, and that's for anti counterfeiting and and uh, you can't use uh, copy machines because it doesn't you know copy that smaller print he said he can see that now without glasses he's going to have a hard time walking and you know everything because he he has myopia well that's what happens to us sometimes is that we have myopia that is we're so nearsighted we're not thinking about the long picture the big picture We're not thinking about eternity. We're not looking off into eternity. We're just thinking about the here and now. I mean, we're not seeing the forest because we're all, you know, our vision's blocked by by the trees. That happens sometimes. We're just blocked with the here and now and all things going on in the here and now. And we're not looking afar. And therefore, we are blinded. Yeah, we've got to see on down the road and look at the long picture. 
And then notice finally the exhortation that he gives there in verses 10 and 11. Therefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling election sure. Well, how do we make our call election sure? By adding in, coercing in, uh, developing in, integrating into our life these various qualities of virtue and knowledge and temperance and godliness and patience and uh, brotherly love and love. Just work on those things and work on how we apply them, like when we're in the assembly or you know, in our relationship with other people or in the family or you know, we're out in society. You know, okay, we, we act pretty civil when we come to the building. Well, when we're in a car, we, we don't need road rage out there. I mean, there's plenty of that going on, but we don't need to be partakers of that. So we're looking how to uh, make our calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. That's a great promise. You know, it's possible we can fall from grace. The Bible talks about that. Some of our friends say, well, you know, once you're in grace, you're always in grace. You can't fall from grace. But that, that's not true. We can fall. But Peter does point out and shows us how, how to prevent falling. Well, by giving all diligence, doing the things that he talks about in this text. He goes on to say in verse 11, For so an entrance shall be provided unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if we're busy choreographing in, adding in, orchestrating in all these various qualities of growing and abounding and being fruitful in the service of the Lord, ultimately it'll just lead right on into eternity to the eternal kingdom. And it's just a, just a magnificent, a very beautiful picture that Peter describes here. Challenging, but a beautiful concept and hopefully that we will have the fortitude and the faith and confidence that, yeah, that's what we want, that we want to have these things that Peter talks about. Well, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you taking the time to listen. Let us uh, close with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessing. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We thank you for the beautiful concepts that, that, uh, that are taught in your word. And that we can choreograph all these qualities into our life, that that's what you desire and what you want. And help us to strive to that end, uh, Father, to try to be the kind of people you'd have us to be, of bringing in these various qualities to our faith of virtue and knowledge and temperance and, and patience and godliness and, and brotherly kindness and love. Help us to uh, give the diligence to, to be the kind of people you'd have us to be and and, and to look of how we apply that in various situations of life and, and just try to be your followers and to uh, be a child of God and to be more and more like Jesus as we go through life. Thank you for all our blessings. Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for uh, everyone at church. Thank you for your people everywhere. We pray that you bless the rulers, give them wisdom to direct the affairs of our country in a good way. Bless those that are sick and thank you for all our food and clothes and every blessing that you give unto us. Forgive us as we forgive others and help us to have a good day as we try to serve you as we go along life's uneven journeys. For we ask all blessings and favors in Christ's name. Amen.